This is the last day of a series that we are doing on the fruit of the Spirit. We have covered uh, quite a few of them. We've covered, uh, the, well, first off, it comes from Galatians uh, 5, 22 to 23, where Paul is talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And he says, the fruits of the Spirit is joy, our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've covered all of these, and today we end it with self-control. Self-control. That is one of the things that people are often uh, told that they should have. As we grow up and we're kids and stuff, we're told we should just have some self-control. And it seems like to be the, one of the, the, the main criticisms that one, high, one side on the fence has on the other side of the fence. If they would just be able to control themselves, if they would just learn to have some self-control. Sometimes we talk about self-control as being able to control our uh, behaviors. Like uh, self-control means not, uh, if I want that candy right there, as self, if, I, if I have the self-control, that means that I know that if I have too much of that, it's not good for me. So self-control tells me that I should not have that. Self-control also sometimes means that I should not uh, steal. I should not lie. Self-control also means that I should temper uh, my, um, my emotions. I shouldn't have outbursts. I shouldn't have uh, anger. Oftentimes we confuse self-control with just bottling things up and keeping them within. We talk about self-control. In the Midwest, that's one thing that we talk about a lot. Midwesterners, they, we were just actually talking about this. A lot of the, the culture in the Midwest is if you feel it, whatever you do, don't share it. If you have uh, anger, keep it to yourself. If you have sadness, oh, by all means, keep that to yourself. And if you smile, just do it a little bit so they don't really know you're happy. You know, but just walk in a straight line and just keep that. I was telling uh, Will, I, I served a small town once in uh, central Nebraska, and it took about six months before people even said anything like after the sermon or anything like that. Uh, most of the times I would, as people would walk through, there was a, like a, not a receiving line, but I would stand at the door and, and greet people as they uh, came in, and then I would greet them as they left. And after the sermon, you would just have people that would walk by and just go, mm-hmm, you know, and then they would just keep, <laughs> keep going. And I thought, I don't know what that means. You know, that's, that's weird, you know. Uh, and so I've always felt a little bit out of place in, uh, because I'm a feeler. I do not have a poker face. I, I, I say what I, I uh, am feeling. People know if I am uh, happy. They know that I'm, if I'm sad. They know that if I'm angry. They know that if I'm feeling uh, worrisome. All of that kind of stuff. I've just always been a, a person that shares that. And so sometimes that makes people feel uncomfortable when we're sharing what we, what we truly feel. Uh, people don't like that. You have to be able to find safe places where people will actually say, I got that. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said that the, the greatest thing that we can do to one another is be able to look at one another and say, I've been there too. Just that connection makes us a community and it helps us a lot. But in order to do that, we have to uh, talk about another way of self-control. Think of it, okay, if you're driving a car, you get into a car, Let's say you've never had a driving lesson before in your life. You have never, ever sat behind a wheel of a car. And somebody says, okay, I want you to sit behind the wheel, and I want you to drive this car. The first thing that you're going to do is go, that's dumb, because I have no idea how to drive this car. And so what are the things that you need to do before you can take that next step? 
put your seatbelt on. Yeah. Warn the neighborhood. Let everybody know. But it's ridiculous to be able to drive a car without knowing what that car is, right? It's, it's, it's uh, to be able to, to um, drive something that truly can take someone's life, including your own, you better know what you're doing behind that wheel. You better know, before you can control that, you better know it. The same is about us. I want to use a story that uh, we can find in the book of Mark 1 through 20 to kind of help stress this a little bit about self-control. It, it, again, a lot of times we, we like to take this self-control and we just like to, to lecture people. We like to guilt them for, for losing control. We like to tell them that they have to be, they're here, but they need to be here. We sometimes want to give steps on this. I, I'm, I want us to talk about this story first. Jesus and his disciples have been spreading the message about uh, the kingdom of heaven, about this new, uh, this new thing called Christianity. Uh, they didn't even call it that way at the time. They're just telling people who Jesus is. And they take a boat across the sea and they go to this one place. And it's kind of a place that is uh, um, mostly a place of, of non-Jewish people. And when they get to this side there, they see uh, running up to them, is this person that just looks nuts. Uh, he's, he's not clothed, and he's actually running from uh, tombs, basically a, a, a graveyard situation. He is running from tombs, and they discover that he has, that's where he lives. Now, when you are a Jewish person, that is the mo one of the most unclean things that you can do is to be around that. You do not go over there and be a, hang out in tombs. And this guy is coming unclothed and running at them from these tombs. They find out by uh, other people that this guy has lived there for a long time. He has spent his life in tombs, and they have tried to control this guy. He <laughs> sits up there, and at night he howls. During the day, he screams. He is an uncontrollable person. He has violent, outrageous things, you know, actions. And they, they have tried to actually bind him down. They have tackled him and they have put him in shackles. He breaks out of those. This guy is out of control. This guy is a scary, scary guy. And the city, the, the, the town that he is from, just keeps him in the tombs and that's where he stays. Imagine knowing that a person is just so out of control that they live among the dead and at night you can hear him howl. That's got to freak you out sometimes. You know, I love uh, horror movies, but I don't like them when they're real. You know, I mean, I, I like being able to pause it, shut it off, you know, do whatever, everything like that. I don't, if, if, if somebody said, you know, by the way, Dracula actually really has moved in next door. He's not, he, he's not really Dracula. He just likes to suck blood. And I, I would say, no, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. But this guy is like this insane person, and he's running after toward Jesus. His disciples have got to be going, that's one of the first times I think somebody just went, Jesus Christ, you know, and then, you know, he's, he's running, and Jesus, of course, says, I, yeah, I hear you, I got this covered, and the guy runs over, and when he sees Jesus, he drops to his knees, 
And he says, don't, don't hurt me. He fears Jesus. This person that is nuts, insane, out of control, breaks chains, fears nobody, suddenly he's standing in front, or kneeling in front of Jesus, begging him not to harm him. His first instance of Jesus Christ is fear. Before I move on, I want to just take a little side note to that. That is many people's first time with Jesus, is fear, because we have done really a poor job of telling the world who Christ is. When we do a, such a bad job, the consequences of that is that people, when they first experience Christ, their first feeling is fear. That's why we're here. We're going to change that. Anyway, back to the story. He says, please do not hurt me. And Jesus recognizes not just the person in front of him, but he recognizes and sees the things that are blocking this person from enjoying a normal life. They called these demons back then. Sometimes we call them uh, demons today. Sometimes we call them uh, mental incapacity. Sometimes we call them emotional distress. Sometimes we call them physical ailment, you know, whatever. But the, the good way to just kind of round all that stuff up back then was just to say they got a demon. And Jesus speaks to that demon. And he says, what is your name? And the man, speaking in the story through the demon, says, legion, because we are many. In other words, this person, the reason that they are out of control is because they have many, many things that are plaguing them. Many things that are uh, making them act out, go nuts. Many things that are causing violent outbursts, anger, uh, living with the tombs, living with the dead, being outside of the community, not feeling like they are part of anything and rebelling against everything because this person has a lot in its way, in their way of, 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 of giving them peace. And Jesus sees that. He knows that in order to reach the person, he has to reach first through the issues that are causing him so much pain. Throughout his life, people just wanted to shackle him. They just wanted to bind him. They just wanted to keep him out of the way. They wanted to imprison him. Nobody ever wanted to see what the problem was or get to know him. All they knew was the result, and the result was scary. He howls at the moon. Just keep him away from us. Just keep him away. This person is not a person anymore. This person is an animal. Just keep him away. Jesus is the first person in his life that actually says, let's address this first because something is blocking me from actually talking to you. And the demon inside this person that calls himself legion, that calls themselves legion, says, please do not, do not destroy us, put us somewhere else. And to just give a, a very illustrated example from this story, it says that Jesus takes these demons and releases them into a herd of swine. And the swine start to just go nuts. And they run off a cliff into the water and they drown to death. 
Now, word of this has you know, reached the town because the swine were owned by people. You know, they, they, were, they were people that raised hogs. This is why we know that they were not Jewish because Jewishes don't, they, at that time, they're not saying, this is going to be great, bacon. Um, and the Gentiles are going, yeah, we've discovered bacon. Who needs a God, you know? Uh, and so they're seeing uh, what's happening there, and word gets out. And by the time that the people actually come in from the town to see on the coastline what is happening, because they know that this guy's nuts. They, they know that there's a, an animal there, the man that is broken free. And by the time that they get there, they see the same person fully clothed and just talking to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Someone that you never even thought was human is now sitting just like you would, having an, a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus is not sitting there scolding him going, you naughty son of a gun, you, you know, you should have self-control and all of this kind of stuff. Jesus is actually just sitting there and talking with him. He addressed the problems that he had. He helped remove those problems that caused his anger, his rage, his, uh, his antisocial behavior. He clothed him, and now he's just talking with him. The town wanted this man to have self-control, and he didn't because he had things that they were not willing to see. They wanted him to have self-control, and when he showed that he did not have self-control, their way of dealing with him was to kick him out of their community to shun him, to change his identity of a person to that of an animal, to try and shackle him, and just to keep him away. Christ was the only person that actually said, there is someone underneath that. You know, sometimes we might not be uh, I'm pretty sure that nobody here has been uh, at the cemetery running around naked howling at the move. I, if I, you have, really don't want to know about it. But I know that every one of us sometimes in our lives have had things that seem to, to block us, that seem to get in our way to really taking control of who we are. Sometimes it's things that uh, are identified not necessarily as demons. In, the, in our century, we might use words like anger or uh, resentment, insecurities, guilt, fear. And sometimes when we want to be truly ourselves, we're blocked by those things that get in our way. They, they make us act out, not in ways that we want to, but sometimes we might be so angry at something that happened in our life that we have not dealt with. 
we might have so much resentment in our life that we don't know how to express that. We don't know how to say, I've had this problem in my, in my life and talk to somebody about it. Instead, we might choose to act out on that. Some people, we, we, we might just develop a, a, a drinking habit, a, a, an addiction, something to escape from that. Sometimes it's angry behavior. Sometimes it's uh, things like uh, people get into where they are argumentative. Sometimes they try to find other people in this world that they see as worse than they are and just focus all of that toward them. I'm angry in my life. I've had this happen in my life. I've not been able to deal with it. I can't just talk about my feelings. So instead, I'm going to use that built-up energy, that built-up emotion, and I'm just going to hate that person over there. I'm going to focus on them. And when we do that, we are putting the person in the tomb. But it's not the person we think. When we do that, we're the ones that are dead to the world. Because we're not allowed to say to the world, this is me. And the one message that Jesus was trying to tell this person here, this is you. I am going to clear this stuff away and let's talk about who you are. When was the last time that any of us truly did that for ourselves? There, there were times that I, you know, as a teenager, I was, uh, I had a problem with, with drug use. Uh, as, I mean, a teenager. I mean, I was in patient treatment at the age of 14, so I, we're talking like 12, 13, 14. I was using drugs, and I got uh, messed up. And it took uh, two months of treatment to straighten me out. And the one thing that they didn't in, two, in the two months of treatment, they didn't talk about these are your drug choices and all that stuff. They didn't say, don't do that. They didn't talk about willpower. They said, why are you using it? Why do you want to escape this world so much? And they talked about things that were, had happened in my life that I had never dealt with. Those were my demons. And those were the things that were making me act out in ways that were not my honest self. Even as I was uh, this, this young teenager that was uh, caught up in, in, in drugs and I, I was vandalism, believe it or not, people in my school feared me. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I look like Ziggy these days, but when, back in my day, uh, people, because I was just argumentative, Angry. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, I punched a teacher. Yeah, that's a teacher right there. She's going to hit me back just because of saying that. But um, I have since apologized to that person. But deep inside, when I was acting out on all of this, deep inside, uh, there was still this young person that didn't like what I was doing. Deep inside, there was a person that still wanted to tell the world, this is me. Uh, deep inside, there was a person that just wanted to say, I'm scared. And I have found that we go through that 
It might not be a drug thing for, for you. It might not be anything like that. But I have found that when we're not careful, that can repeat itself. We can still have things that happen in our life that we don't deal with, that we don't talk about, that we don't see. We can have fears in our lives. We can have insecurities. We can look at so much stuff out there in the world, on social media, on television, all that stuff, and think that that's how people are supposed to be. How come I'm not like that? And we feel like we don't fit in, and we start to act out to try to fit in. We can't, we can't have self-control. Not true self-control until we first know who our self is. And by learning who our true self is, our true honest self, that's when we start to understand who we are and we start to find that we respect ourselves a little bit better. And we find that having self-control is worth it because we're worth it. The message that Jesus had with this individual was first, before they even talked about anything, was let's talk about the things that are truly binding you and release you from that. The person wanted to run and, and, and stay with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, you know what you need to do? You need to go back into the town. And I love this. He said, I want you to tell your friends what's happened to you. Okay, this guy was out in the tombs. He was an outsider. He had no friends. But Jesus knew that with his honest self, he was going to. Go back because you have friends now that are going to love you for who you are. That's why self-control is one of the hardest things that we can do because we are too busy acting out instead of actually feeling what we feel. We're too busy defending ourselves instead of going on the offensive and saying, this is who I am. As a church, we have not really helped people. We have told people to have self-control, but we have denied their honest self. We can't do that because that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And as Christians, we're called to help people find that fruit of the Spirit. And so if self-control is one of them, the first thing I have to do is allow you to be yourself. I have to allow myself to be myself. That's self-control. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, every one of us has a story, every one of us has a path, and every one of us has had dips and turns, places we've gone the wrong way, places that have been a harder climb for us, places where the path has seemed more like a hole. Help us to, help us to see what those things are. Help us to explore the things that are preventing us from truly being us. Help us to discover the way we were born of who we are, of the one that you love. Help us to see that, to be that, and to celebrate that. 
In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I have a, a request for you this week, and that is um, just to be selfish. Uh, just for this week. I know we always talk about thinking outside of ourselves, but this week I really challenge you to really be selfish, to really look inside you, to really focus on who you are. And ask yourself, are there any things, is there anything that is preventing me from truly celebrating who I am? Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you take a piece of paper and you just write, I am, and then see what the things that you can describe that describe who you are. And sometimes you can even ask people that are close to you for help. Who do you see me as? Sometimes they'll see things that you didn't. Be selfish this week. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Amen.